0: Welcome to Diverse City Church Sermons. We hope that you enjoyed this week's message by Pastor Ray. Church folk today, I'm tired of church folk. I'm praying for those that want transformation. I'm praying for those that are hungry for something different. And I'm praying a mighty, powerful, radical move of God to take place today. We thank you for showing up like you always do. We're thankful that our church is the old-timers say alive and well. And we believe today that you are going to continue to build on a platform of greatness, of anointing. Do a work in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to just jump right in today. The Lord has really been speaking to me on Wednesday. God gave me a title for the message today, and I kind of thought I knew which direction I would be preaching, but Wednesday the Lord kind of began to alter my plans, and then yesterday I was here at the women's conference, and the opening text was out of Genesis chapter 25, and I actually am going to reference that here in just a minute. But the title of my message today is going to be a little different. Because what I want to do is I'm going to open up for some Q and A, uh, and thank God for technology. We ain't giving nobody a mic. Can I get a witness? See me, all Say I can't believe he said that public. I'll say it again. Cause you know, folk at church, they can't get a mic. We'll be going we'll viral on Facebook. <laughs> Not today, Satan. Not today. (laughs) If you've got a question that you would like to ask, please keep it connected to today's message. Um, It'll be probably right there. And then if you don't get that question or that, that number now during this message, you'll see that same number at the bottom And you can text your question there, and we're going to do our best to filter through them. For those that are watching online, uh, if you have Facebook here and maybe don't text, you can also send your question in via Facebook Live, and we'll have somebody that's kind of filtering through them, a few folks. And the goal is that we answer some questions. We'll we'll see how this goes. Um, I am committed to whatever questions we do not answer that I'll start talking about them this week on Facebook, uh, which is going to be very difficult for me. As you know, I am terrible at Facebook, but uh, I'm going to try my best. The topic today that I want to talk to you about is what to do when things don't go the way you planned. Let me say that again. What to do when things do not go the way you planned. I wish that there would be at least one person that could say, Pastor, you're not alone. There's a lot of times that I make plans, but then things get altered. Right? The Bible says man makes many plans. Right? That's, that's what we do. We make plans. We, we put God in the middle of them. Many times they're righteous plans and holy plans and plans that we've been praying about and preparing for for years. We see the light at the end of the tunnel. We're almost there. And... Just like that, something changes. Can I talk to somebody whose plans have been altered? And you feel like that's your life, and you start taking steps forward, and then the next thing you know, you're 10 steps back. What do you do when things don't go the way that you've planned? I didn't plan to be where I'm at today. I plan to be a whole lot further along. I didn't plan for my wife to go through again what she went through this week. I planned on her being a lot further along. I'll tell you a little bit about that later. And and really the Lord has just been saying to me, Ray, you need to just keep on moving forward even when your plans are altered because I am ultimately in control of your future. And if I have brought you this far, I'll keep on taking you further. And, and, and I want to talk to you out of Genesis, but before we read it, I want you to understand contextually what Moses was writing in Genesis. I'm going to read to you the story of Isaac. Isaac was the son of Abraham, and Abraham told his servant, he said, servant, I want you to find my boy a wife. But I don't just want any wife. It needs to be a woman of God. It needs to be a church woman. Well, here's the thing about Abraham. Abraham left the church, not like some of y'all leave the church. Got quiet. He he, he left because the Lord told him to leave, like for real told him to leave. Not because the carpet got turn colors that you didn't like and somebody didn't say hi to you. Abraham left because the Holy Spirit told him to leave. And he's now in the wilderness around a lot of people that are pagans, worshiping false gods of many names, sacrificing their babies and people to what they called to be their God. And Abraham is there witnessing, believing the word that God spoke to him, that he would be a father of many nations. And God said to Abraham, go to this pagan world and witness for me, and I'm going to bring revival to you. And while Abraham is on his journey, he has his kid, Isaac, and he says to his servant, there's no way in the world that my son can marry a wicked girl. I'm asking you, servant, before I die that you will commit to me to go back to the church that I came from, where I know good, godly women pray and believe in Yahweh. And I want you to find a woman there for him to marry And he says, but what if the woman says she's not coming back with me? And he says, if the woman says that she won't come with you, you are set free from this oath. And you are no longer under obligation to find my son a wife. So the servant packed up his donkey and his his servants and all of his road dogs and partners and food. And they headed on their journey back to abraham's home upon getting to the home place the servant began to pray and said lord i pray you'll give me success today i pray when these women come out to this well to get water that one of them will respond to me by saying not only will i give you water but i will water your animals too And that will be the sign that this is the one that my servant's son is to marry. And just as that happened is what was fulfilled. Rebecca came out, got to the well, and the servant said, Hey, could you give me some water? And Rebecca said, sure I will, and I'll also give your animals water too. At that moment, the servant was so happy because he knew that this was God's answer to prayer. He said, I know that you are to be the wife of my master's son, Isaac. They get back to the house and they discuss the matter and the family actually knew Abraham and knew that he was a radical believer and he left for God and they knew that he had lots of money and, and that his, their daughter would be in good hands. So they said, Rebecca, you can go. And then we move forward and Isaac is, the Bible says, 40 years old, marries this woman, Rebecca, and he loved her. Isaac did everything he was supposed to do. He married a woman of God. God commanded Isaac two things from Abraham. Number one, do not marry a pagan woman. And number two, do not go back to the same old, same old. If that woman comes with you and loves God, great. But don't let that church woman pull you back to traditions. Well, I'm talking to somebody. And Isaac fulfilled both parts of God's word through dad, and he married a godly woman and did not return back to tradition. You would think when Isaac is being obedient, doing the right thing, you would think when Rebecca is a woman of God who came from a godly home, that things would go well, wouldn't you? (laughs) Like us, we get along in our walk and our faith with God and we become tithers and givers and and we start serving, we're hospitable, we quit drinking, we quit drugging, we quit sexing, we quit lying, we quit cheating, we become pretty good people and we think that life should be pretty good now. But what do you do when things don't go the way you planned? See, in Genesis chapter 25 and verse 22, it says, Rebecca, his wife, conceived, but the children struggled within her. And she said, if all is well, why am I like this? So she went and inquired of the Lord. The thing I want us to see in this text is Rebecca said, I got married I've been being faithful. I'm serving you as I'm supposed to serve you. And you have blessed me with a vision. You have blessed me with a dream. You have blessed me with purpose. You have blessed me with a child. But the child is on the inside but not yet come forth on the outside. And she says, if indeed I am blessed, why are the children struggling inside of me? She said, if I am so blessed, why is the vision such a struggle to come to reality? If I am so blessed... I'm so anointed, if I'm so called, if I'm so favored, if no weapon formed against me can really prosper, if every tongue that rises against me I can condemn, if greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, then why is it so hard to see my dream come to pass? Why? do I have anybody in here that says sometimes I ask God why I just don't understand why it's going the way it does it's like I'm trying so hard I'm working giving it all that I can I know I'm anointed I know I'm called I know I'm in purpose I know I'm I'm favored I know that God's got a plan for me but yet for some reason there's a struggle inside of me that I can't figure out and Lord I need to break through and here's the word she said she says if all is well why am I like this see I think that this is what the enemy often does if you're really anointed why is it so hard If you're really called, what's taking so long? If you're really gifted, why don't people see it? If you've got purpose, then why aren't you yet walking in it? See, because what happens is the Lord conceives something in us, and it begins to build an anticipation for our future, and we get excited, and and we're ready because we used to think that we couldn't become anything. But then God comes in and begins to weave his Holy Spirit in character into who we are. And our spirits begin to mold with our soul and our body. And then we become one with Christ. And Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, not I, but Christ liveth in me. And now there's been this change, and it's no longer me, but him. And and we're excited because I used to think I couldn't do anything, but now I think I can do all things. I, I used to think that I wasn't able, but now I know that I'm an overcomer and more than able. I used to think that I was defeated, but now I know that I'm a victor. And there's a change that has happened. And we're so excited and we now have dreams and hopes and aspirations. But sometimes the dream takes so long and the baby is in way longer than we anticipated. And we begin to ask God, if I'm really anointed, then why am I struggling like I am? If I'm really called, why is it taking so long? If I'm really favored by the Lord... Why am I like this? Why am I like this? I think this is something that most of us wrestle with because the reality is, his life is not easy. And we are not to be emotional people that go up and down with the roller coasters of life and constantly check and, 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 and recheck and, and then reevaluate over and over wondering, are we really called? If God said you're called and he's birthed purpose inside of you, you need to stand on it and know sooner or later he will come through. And even when it's not the way you want, it's all good because God's in control, right? The last three weeks of, this me- of the message prior to today really coincides perfectly with all of this. I challenge you to go back because really the enemy wants us to start building our flesh. He wants us to be like Noah and stop building altars and start building vineyards. He wants us to stop being people of prayer and be people of wine. And we need to make sure that we are not allowing the wrestle that is inside of us to make our spirits go dim and our flesh go strong. And then our priorities get out of whack and God comes off the throne of our heart and something else takes its place because God's got a purpose for us and we need to fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith and when all hell breaks loose and I'm not getting where I wanted the way I wanted as quick as I wanted and it's not going the way I planned I need to still look unto the hills cause one, where cometh my help I tell you where comes my help my help comes from the Lord and it may not be setting right on the inside but I know God is real good and I'm not going to do things based off what it looks like on the outside because I know what the Lord said to me and sometimes you need to be like David and start encouraging yourself and you need to say self you've been too good too long serving God don't you quit now because things don't always go the way we plan. They don't. I did not plan. I was looking back, and I think I shared this once before. We came to St. Louis, and we said, Lord, the first couple of years, we'll be here just to lay a groundwork, build relationships with the people, figure out the city, and figure out why you called us here. It took us five years to do that, almost six, by six We figured out why we were here, what the purpose, our mission, our vision. We relaunched the church, changed our name. September was our launch of 2015. Diverse City is under three years old. And I'll never forget, September, we launched our church as Diverse City. We did this big emphasis evangelism, and all year we just had all these things planned. We raised $84,000, and we just gave it away. We, we were blessing people. We, we came up with marketing ideas, flags and banners and website. And, and we just really tried to get creative. And just a week or two after we relaunched the church, my wife falls, hits her head, passes out. I wake her up, and she doesn't even remember being married, having kids. She doesn't remember being in America. And I've never gained that back with her. For three years, my wife has never known me beyond September 22, 2015. Now, I would be really cool if, if, you know, at least she would know me since then, but that's not the case. Matter of fact, I'm now journaling. I don't journal as much as I should, but uh, I have journaled, and I got dates and stuff, and I was looking back, and September 25th is when it first happened, and then uh, we started making great headway, and we're really excited. And I, I thought that she would never lose her memory again. I mean, the accident happened. She started regaining her memory. Surely it would never happen again. And, and not only did she never get her old memories back, but January 2017, just over a year, she lost it all again. And now I got to meet her all over again. She's got to learn how to, how to how to discipline kids. She needs to be reminded and told these are her kids. She needs to be told she's married. She needs to learn how to use a checkbook, how to do online uh, shopping, how to use online um, um, uh, uh, banking, how to cook, everything. Drive, you name it. Had to learn it all. And I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. We'll move on. She started doing great from January and and, and we were just doing awesome. And I thought, well, second time. I, we're good. God's faithful. Whatever. We got one year in January 2018. It happened again, and and I'm like, all right, what what, what are we doing here, okay, cool, let's, we'll just figure this out, right, and um, actually, I lied, it was May 2017, so it was only six months later, so then, third time, I said, all right, well, you know, people say third time's a charm, this is it, right, we're we're trying to convince ourselves any way we can, am I the only one who does that, like, you play yourself, and you say, well, this is going to be it, this is going to be it, well, after the third time, I knew this was it, well, I was wrong, it wasn't it. Uh, We got a little over a year, and and as God is my witness, about a week ago, I was sitting there thinking to myself, I said, man, Lorenda's last incident of losing her memory was May 2017, and I said, it is now July 2018, we're right at a year. I was like, "I'm, I'm excited, and then the following week, on Wednesday, she passed out and woke up and didn't know me all over again. And um, I don't tell you that because I want you to feel sorry for me or not call me. Okay? Life goes on. I, I, I tell you that because I am committed to keeping Jesus first. And I know that the wrestle that's happening in my family is not a confirmation that I'm in the wrong business. It, it doesn't mean I'm doing something wrong. It, it just means that there's a wrestle, but I'm not gonna quit fighting. And now, I, I'm gonna be honest with you, some of y'all aren't gonna like this, and quite frankly, I don't care. Um, sorry if that offended you, as some people say, sorry, not sorry. want to come to church yesterday to the women's conference. I tried to sneak in and sneak out. I did a pretty good job. I only talked to a few of you. I didn't even want to talk to you all. (laughs) You're laughing. It's not a joke. Today was not much different. I mean, look, I'm one of the most personable, likable, uh, social butterfly kind of guy but this week, I haven't really felt like talking to anyone. Um, and, and I'm, gonna, I'm, trying to, I'm not going to cry uh, because it's better than it has been, but it's still been difficult. But the reality is, is I have not wanted to talk to people. I have not wanted to do ministry. But I knew that I needed to be here today. Pastor James says, you want me to preach? And I was like, no, I, no, because I really felt I needed to be here. I feel like when the Lord's taking me through something, that I am a vessel that is here to prepare you for what you're about to go through. And, and to help you to be better at, at being a Christian. And, and in James chapter 5, look here, it says, dear brothers and sisters... Be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Like, we're waiting on the Lord's return. Some of us are literally waiting on the Lord's return, like, for him to come down from the sky. Some of y'all are waiting for him to come and show back up in this conception of something he's blessed inside of you. But whatever you're waiting for, for the Lord to come back to... Look what it says. It says, consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They are eagerly, eager, they, they eagerly, they are eager, eagerly looking for the valuable harvest to ripen. And the picture that is being painted in James chapter 5 is the farmer plants the seed and then he leaves and waits for it to rain. And then the rain then makes the seed come up. But there's a season where we don't really know if anything's going to be produced or not. It's kind of like my watermelon plants at home. I planted a watermelon seed and didn't know what in the world it would do. We planted all kinds of stuff, and we've been eating lots of tomatoes, lots of cucumbers, uh, some, some squash, a little bit of zucchini. We've been eating lots of peppers, and, and, and we've got all of these vegetables, kale. We've been eating tons of kale. But, but the watermelons, I mean, this is one of my favorite, and, 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 and I don't even see, like, nothing. And we went away, we planted these, keep in mind, in April, didn't see anything in May, didn't see anything in June. I asked Michelle, Michelle, what in the world, how do these even work? Oh, it'll come, is there flowers? Yes, there's flowers. Okay, it's doing good, just hold on. We leave and we go away for two weeks to Maryland and we come back mid-July and I've got five or six watermelons, some about this big, some about this big. And, and, and here's what I'm saying to you. First of all, I didn't even know that you got multiple watermelons on one watermelon <laughs> seed. I mean, look, we had diversity, City, right? This is a summertime black man's dream, (laughs) bruh. And some country white people. Who country and white like watermelon? Yep, see? Country white people love watermelon. And I'm like, Lord, I'm, I'm just, I'm thankful. Thankful. And uh, five, five or six watermelon, can I get a witness? And the Lord began, look, and here's here's what happened. We planted the seed. We saw nothing. I began to doubt would anything ever sprout up, and I almost pulled it. See, because in our culture today, when God puts something inside of us, if we don't see it come to fruition as quick as our last blessing did, we're many times aborting what God has for us. And God is saying just because it took nine months the first time doesn't mean it's going to take nine months the second time. And I am not... A God that you put in a box and you think if you just visit church enough and you go for this amount of time and you do it this amount of ways and you do it this many things and and you have this kind of theme, then I'm going to produce your blessing. God is saying you can't put me in a box. The way I produced a seed in you last time is not the way I'm going to produce that seed in you this time. And you may have waited nine weeks on that baby but you may may wait nine years on this baby. And the problem is, is we are such a carnal, self-centered culture that if we don't get the conception of God's blessings quick to a reality, we abort them and we begin to run the other way because we can't wait on God to come through. Right? Right? See, we, we are a carnal generation. And, 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 and someone said to me, how in the world can you do this, Pastor? Like how, or, or Ray, what, I can't remember. How, how can you do this? How can you do this? I, I would lose it. And I'm like, you know what? God has been so good to me. Think about my life. At the age of 20, I was a two-time felon. I sat locked up for two years and I got out and went before the same judge at 25 and asked him to take my record away three years out of the joint. And the judge, the same one that put me away, said he's never in the history of being a judge of over 40 years took someone's record away after three years. How in the world do you go from a two-time felon at 20 out at 22, no record at 25, full-time in the ministry at 26, senior pastor at 29, a state council member at 30, and an administrative, a bishop, a district bishop at six churches at 31? It ain't nothing but the hand of God. And, and, And I say this to you. Because the the thing is, is you need to think about what he's done before for you. And you say, Lord, if you did it back then, you're going to do it again. And I will not get down and out. Look, I've been through heartache and pain and disappointment and embarrassment and shame. I've cried so much. I've been disappointed and let down, but I just try to stay the course, and God comes through every single time for my life. It hurts. I don't like it, but I refuse to abort the baby. Some of y'all need to start learning how to farm a little bit better. You need to learn how to sit back and wait for that seed to manifest. I'm going to open up for questions in just a second. Do we have any? Yeah, we got some. Okay. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 it says, Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. Oh, Lord. Father, I pray that this message today is touching the hearts of people. There's so many that are dealing with anxiety and depression. They're overwhelmed. They feel defeated. They've been waiting so long and haven't seen anything, Lord. And I'm just praying that no one's aborting the baby, that no one's aborting the vision, no one's calling it quits, that we're not throwing in the towel in the name of Jesus, that we're not throwing in the towel. It says, farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. Can I tell you, we as farmers have to make sure that we do not wait for perfect weather? Is Albert sick? Let, Albert has health issues. I don't know if that's his issue, but... God, have your way in Albert's life. Amen. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. The weather will never be perfect. As the one song says, the road may not be easy. You can't wait for the road to get easy, or Democrats to get in office, or a black man to rule our city, or a white woman to be elected. Look, you got it all wrong. You've got it all wrong. Don't nothing need to change for you to start sowing seed. It's time for you to sow seed right now. If you wait for perfect weather to start planting, you're going to die of starvation waiting for the weather to be perfect because the weather will never, ever be perfect. And if they watch every cloud, they will never harvest. Sometimes you're going to harvest in the rain. Just as you cannot understand the path of the wind or the mystery of the tiny baby growing in its mother's womb, so you cannot understand the activity of God. You can't understand it. All we know is we plant a watermelon seed, and sooner or later it sprouts up, and we just let God do His thing, and sooner or later we're eating watermelon. That's all we know. We don't know, that's all we know anything beyond that baby same thing we i mean we can explain and talk about the umbilical cord and 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 all the different things inside the mother and and so on and so forth but the reality is we can't truly explain the mystery of conception nine months of preparation and then bringing forth the baby but god does God understands it. And in the activity of God, we don't understand. It says, who does all these things? We don't even understand it. We don't understand how the big process works. So what are you saying, pastor? What I'm saying is it's not meant for you to understand. The only thing you're supposed to do is sow seed, trust God, leave it in his hands, hope he's going to send the rain, hope he's going to cultivate that baby, hope he's going to minister to that dream, and you just hold on, and sooner or later, God will prevail and come through in your life. It says, be not weary in well-doing. In due season, you shall reap if you faint not. The RSV version, Ray Sewell version, says don't get sick and tired of waiting on that baby that's inside of you. Don't get sick and tired of serving me and being faithful to me sooner or later if you don't give up and abort. You will see your dreams come to pass. Then it says, "Plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all afternoon for you don't know if the profit will come from one activity or another or maybe both." So so what he's saying is a farmer, a good farmer My cousin's a farmer. He farms thousands of acres back in in Maryland, and I just saw him uh, two weeks ago, and I said, what are you farming these days? And he said he's farming thousands of acres of corn, but he's also farming soybean. He's also doing dairy cows. He also does pork pigs, and he does turkeys. He's got 40,000 or more turkeys 300 pigs i don't know how many how many cows for dairy he's got corn he's got soybean and i'm like why you got your hands in so much he says because every year the prices of things are different and some years corn profits me and soybean i lose on other years milk prices are sky high and i do great He's saying it's important that you have your hands in many things because you don't really know what's going to happen. And that's exactly what the author is saying here. It says you plant your seed in the morning, but you don't just sit back and be lazy and pray all day and wait for God to do something. Oh, I'm talking to somebody. Because there are some lazy church people. All they do is plant a seed and pray and wait for God to manifest and do something. You've been praying for 50 years for that seed in the ground, and you ain't seen nothing. You want to know why you ain't seen nothing? Because God didn't say plant and forget. He said plant, water, pray, and go out and work your butt off. Until that comes, you better do something else to bring God glory. See, I'm not going to just sit back and pray and wait for this to happen. While I'm waiting for this to manifest, you best believe I've got my hand in two or three other things. See, what will it profit you if you just put everything on one activity rather than focusing on your baby but working on the others until it may manifest? So again, the question is what to do when things don't go the way you planned. I want to open up for a couple of questions. What to do when things don't go the way you planned? Pastor James is going to read off a question. I have no clue how this is going to go, um, but we we will see, and we will end soon.
1: Yeah, so um, if you have any question related to the topic, we'll just ask that you touch the number on the screen. It basically goes to the sound booth, and then it will be able to come to my phone. Um, We do understand that some of your questions may be anonymous, so that's why we're not um, passing around the mics, or we don't want to have any videos go viral based on testimonials. Amen. (laughs) So first question is, Pastor, how do you know the difference between God's voice, the devil's voice, and my voice?
0: God, that's a good question. I almost want to know who said it, but I won't. Um, <laughs> so so there's, a, there's a sermon that I preach called um, How to Hear the Voice of God, and it's online. And, and I say that there's three ways. Number one is the Word. We get in the Word. If you don't know the Word, you're going to have a hard time distinguishing the voice of God. Amen. Everybody with me? Um, because the Lord will never tell you to do something that's contrary to the Word. So number one, the Word of God. Number two is you need to just be, be, be quiet. Just be still and wait. And a lot of people think that if God gave you a word in May that you need to move before June or you're going to miss it in July. That's not true. The Bible says be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. The best thing you can do is wait. And if God has given that to you, nobody's going to take it from you. The Bible says once you're in the hand of God, no one can snatch you out. Right? So if God's put something in you, conceived it in you, the enemy cannot take it from you. The next way that you hear the voice of God, so number one, the word, number two, being slow, but number three is accountability. This is like a cuss word in our culture. See, and here's what happens a lot of times. You think you heard the voice of God, but the moment you go to your spiritual covering and they tell you that's not the voice of God because here's what the Word says, then you get angry at them and leave the church and don't want nothing to do with them. That's what happens with a lot of folks. Not y'all, but a lot of folks. And so we have to realize that if we want to be able to distinguish the voice of God and say, is it God, is it the devil, or is it me? Well, number one, the devil always lies. Number two, you many times deceive yourselves. I do too because the above all things, the heart is deceitful. So we need to get in the word. We need, we need to be slow to move. And number three, we need to seek wise counsel because there's wisdom in a multitude of counsel. If God gives you something, you do not need to move in a week or a month or a year. You can be slow. You can be still. Everybody with me? Amen. Yep. Okay. Ooh, this
2: is... Pastor Quincy's mic Um, is it plausible to ask God for such a sign that is as specific as the servants in the Bible
0: oh good question um, can we ask for a sign heck yeah you can ask for a sign but um, I think sometimes we maybe I mean I've heard so many people say Lord can I have a sign and they got one right can I tell you what else I've heard they asked the Lord for a sign and they thought they got one. See, because when you put more emphasis on the sign than you do just being faithful, we have the ability to create signs that was never a sign. See, see in the Bible, there were signs, but most of the time, it seems like God went and gave them a sign as opposed to them being so full of doubt that they needed one. Is everybody with me? And and you wouldn't believe how many times I'm like, oh God, should I get a car? Should I not get a car? What should I do? And you're like, oh my goodness, I know I'm supposed to get this Lamborghini because I've seen eight of them today. <laughs> like the Lord brought me confirmation. Like God said it. Hallelujah. Right, And you go out and you get this car payment of $500 a Lamborghini. You just get you know, your new pickup truck you've always wanted, your Jeep, your SUV, whatever. You had a perfectly good car paid $3,000 for it. You've been driving it. It's still holding together. And you've been praying, Lord, give me a sign if I'm supposed to get a new car. And everybody around you is getting a new car. You keep seeing the car you want. So you get a $500 a month car payment. And then two years later, it's repoed. So I got a question. Was that a sign? I don't think so. So we need to be careful. Okay? So yes, you can ask for signs, but you got to be careful. More than signs, ask for accountability. Lord, give me good wisdom. Put some people in my life that can speak into me, and I'm going to hear them, regardless of what they say. Okay,
1: next. All right. Very um, general question, but why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen to good people? Because it's life, man. Right? It's
0: life. Um, I, I think sometimes we have this idea that bad things don't happen to good people. Um, but the reality is, is we are in a fallen world. There's no way around it. Period. God said to Adam that he was going to be cursed. The land would be cursed. The woman would be cursed. And, and, and this isn't heaven. If this was heaven, we would have no hope for it because we already have it. We can have a glimpse of it, a taste of it. What's in heaven can come to earth. That thy will be done as it is in heaven. Here on earth, yes, God comes and manifests and blesses and does great things. But we will never f- experience absolute peace. We'll never experience no sickness, no violence. That that can't happen. It's impossible. Why is it impossible? Because we're in a fallen world. So, with that being said. Whether we like it or not, we're still fallen people. So good things are going to happen to bad people, and good things are going to happen to good people. But bad things are going to happen to both as well. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. The sun rises on both of us, right? So you, I think we need to stop thinking so much about why is bad things happening to good people and just get to the place where we just say, Lord, I just want to develop a walk with you that is so intimate. And so pure that even when things that are are terribly happening in my life, I can keep my eyes in line with you. And and I don't lose focus of what's most important. As Job said, now yes, Job got off track a little bit and started questioning the intentions of God. But early on, Job was saying things like, though that you slay me, yet will I serve you. And this is the heart that we need to develop. That we say, God, you're good. And the good you're good and, and the bad you're good. Okay. Cool. Yep.
2: What if you've planted and being busy in God, but still have not seen the fruit? Question the seeds. What if you've
0: been waiting and not
2: seeing? Not. Yep. What if you've been? What if you've planted and being busy in God, but still have not seen the fruit? Do you question the seeds?
0: Do you? Oh, heck yeah. Well, two things. Yes and no. Um, you, you you have the right to question the seed. Because I'll be the first to admit there's been seeds that I thought was a seed from God. And it was nothing but a good idea from me. Yes. Not everything that we think is a seed from God is a seed from God. There's been ministries I've started, started. There's been series that I've done. There's been things that I thought I was supposed to do and the Lord told me to do. And he wasn't, I wasn't supposed to do it. And it's not like it was sin. It was just like a good idea that went wrong. <laughs> this happens. So, so what you do is you say, you know what? I wonder if this is a God seed. I've been telling myself it was for all these years, accountability. So now we get back to accountability. Talk to your pastor about it. Talk to, talk to your mentor about it. Confide in people that you're close to and be like, man, pray with me. I've been waiting on something. Is this right? Is this not right? Because sometimes we make up, we fabricate seeds. But other times, it's a God seed, and we need to keep waiting. Abraham waited 25 years. It took David 22 years before he became king of Israel. Caleb and Joshua took them 40 years. Joseph, it took him 20 years. I mean, these are long times. I mean, think about it. The, 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 the St. Louis Basilica took 70 years to build. The exterior took them seven, and the interior took 60 plus. Okay? Now look, how many of y'all is gonna build something that you won't even see the finished product of? Not many, a couple. Because we want to see the end of what we start. Because that's what this culture, that's what this, this culture is teaching us. Be your own uh, entrepreneur, be this, see this, do this, manifest this. And I believe in a lot of that, but what I also know. Is sometimes we're going to work for a long time and not see the fruit immediately. Okay, next.
1: In a Christian marriage, how do you deal with an unsaved spouse?
0: Oh, come on. I don't even know if that applies. Does that apply? I guess I'm assuming that the maybe... Seed, the seed? All right, I got you. Your seed. Your seed has been in your house for 12 years, and this seed ain't birthing nothing. Uh, how do I... So how do you deal with an unsaved spouse? Well, you have to really respect them and love them and honor them. Because the Bible says, as we do unto them, we're doing unto the Lord. And a lot of us shout real good and we're the nicest people at church. But we're some of the meanest people to our spouses. And then we wonder why in the world they don't want nothing to do with Jesus. Our first ministry is to our home. That's number one. And there ain't no way in the world that I'm going to be more intentional about catering church people and not catering my wife and children. I will cut somebody off in this church so quick if they get in the way of me and my wife or kids. And this is the idea that you need to have with your spouse. But what if they're unsaved? It doesn't matter. Unfortunately, you all got married pre-Jesus. Well, some of y'all got married post-Jesus. If you got married post-Jesus, then, then now you really are, are eating that stupid decision. If, if you got married pre-Jesus, then it's unfortunate, but it's just, it's sin. Like, it's, it's the world we live in. It stinks. You know, it's, I mean, it's, it's terrible. It's like asking the question, well, what if I had a kid before I was, before I was married and, and, and now they're not doing good? Well, it means that you had a kid before you were married and they're not doing good. You're going to still be a parent to them. Same thing. What if I got married before I knew that I should be married to a Christian? Well, you're going to do the same thing as if you got married after you were a Christian. You're going to love them, cherish them, respect them, honor them, listen to them, hear their opinions, and love them where they are. As long as they don't make you quit going to church and make you want to do things that are contrary to the Bible, love the heck out of them. Are we almost done? A lot more?
1: Like how many more? 20? You got 10 more? I was about to say. Maybe we do three more. All right. um, We'll figure out a way how to It's 12-12. Yeah. Okay. We'll see. We'll go for a few more minutes.
2: How do you let the Holy Spirit change you so your sin does not hold you back from the God-given purpose?
0: Say that again, please. How
2: do you let the Holy Spirit change you so that your sin does not hold you back from your God-given purpose?
0: somebody posted uh sent me a message this morning and they said i want to be like you and live in a, a new life how do i do it and i said you need to be intentional about wanting a new life i stepped away from the world for three and a half years on a sabbatical to pursue jesus now two of those years were not voluntary it was called incarceration but nonetheless, I was a monk for two years. I think I'm going to start changing my testimony and start telling people that I was, I was a monk for two years. And um, then after that, though, don't, don't get it twisted. It didn't stop there. I was working a great job in the secular world making very good money. I mean, I was 20 two years old, making 50, 60 grand, and I mean, I landed a great job just to favor the Lord, and, uh, and, and the Lord told me to quit and, and move to Baltimore City and live in a ministry house and just spend time with Him. I sold everything I had. I sold my house. I sold my motorcycle. I, I walked away from my, my career, and I just pursued Jesus, and, and, and I say that because we all want something radical to happen, but no one's willing to do anything radical. Like if we want to, if you want God to do you over, you need to start walking his direction again, again, and again, and again. He, he, he's not going to transform you by coming to church for two hours on Sunday morning. He's going to transform you by soaking in Bible study, by getting around some good godly w- m- women or men. He's going to transform you when you're intentional about growing a relationship with him. It's not going to just pop up. You have to be intentional. That's a very vague answer. If you want more, I'll give you more later. Any of these can have more later. Matter of fact, let's start somehow between Kevin and Pastor James, and we're going to figure out a way to start a thread and and answer some more
1: of this on Facebook. Yeah, so this kind of... um follows up on the comment you just made is just in your family um, what are some of the practices or practical applications to establish good healthy boundaries good healthy boundaries for your family oh for our family
0: um to make sure how do you interpret that question
1: i guess mainly in general like if you would say what are three or five things you've done in your family to ensure that those boundaries are protected for your home? What would it be? So, like, of course, prayer would be one, but just in general, if you were saying, go do the next four things, what would those be? Um, One for me,
0: definitely, is to listen to my wife when she says that she feels like she's not getting her needs met. Because when Earl, the first eight years of my marriage, if she said she wasn't getting her needs met, I'd say she was wrong and I'd give her four or five points to prove her wrong. And I'm such a good debater <laughs> that I'd always win. Um, but then the Lord began to break me down and, and made me see that if she's saying sh- her needs aren't met, then guess what? Her needs aren't met. And and so for me, one boundary is for us to have an open conversation back and forth. And when she says, hey, you're spending too much time at work, and I feel like you're not spending enough time with me, it's not for me to argue it back and say, well, I only gave 47 hours this week. It doesn't matter. She feels like she has insufficient funds. So I have a job to make some deposits. So that's one big thing. Another big thing is is try to figure out a way to have... uh, Often, whether it's dates, family night, uh, we eat at the dinner table every single night of the week. Without fail, we eat at our dinner table at 6 o'clock every night of the week. That's what we do. Me and the kids. We don't eat in the living room. They don't run here. The others run there. We sit at the table and we eat together at the table. There's some things that you have to draw a line in the sand and say, we will do this. And that'll be a little different for each of you, but there has to be some things that you do, right? So, so like that's important. So dates are important. Family night's important. Dinner table stuff's important. Obviously prayer, uh, d- d- devotion nights are great. Sometimes we feel miserably at that, but just having a devotion night, even if it's once a week. I mean, start off at once a month. That's better than nothing. And I hope those kind of help you. And, and so really the main thing I'd say about that is never let anyone get in between. If your spouse is saying something to you, hear it and change or get counseling? Virginia, Virginia Ann?
2: Yes, um, I'm gonna paraphrase this question. It's kind okay. of complicated. Um, if this person's been divorced twice and they are starting to wonder if their seed, being a spouse will ever come to, is it possible to be um, like that seed will never come? They will always, they are, they are destined to be single. How do you know when to give up on a seed?
0: When, uh, okay, so this is directly speaking to... So I'm not going to answer this question based off of giving up on a seed. I'm going to answer this question based off giving up on being married again. Is that okay? Would I still be answering the question correctly? Okay. Um, so, so one thing is the Apostle Paul said that um, he was not married and that he said, but not everyone has this gift. Having the gifting of celibacy... And, and, and being single and not desiring to be married is indeed a gift. Okay, go read it. Paul says it's a gift. Not everyone has a gift. So if you have a desire to be married, don't feel bad. Okay, desire to be married, have no desire to be married. They're different. Okay, so if you have a desire to be married, but maybe you'll never be married, well, we'll change that. I have a desire to be married, but I'm not, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait because you still could be You don't think, a lot of people think, well, maybe I shouldn't have a desire to be married. Maybe this is bad. I tried it twice. Maybe I shouldn't have a desire to be married. Marriage is good. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be married. I can tell you that I do believe a lot of the reasons why a lot of people aren't married is because they can barely function and take care of themselves. If you can't take care of yourself, I preached a message, you can hear that one too. It says, you can't be no nickel piece looking for a dime. If, if you want a dime, you need to be a dime. And a lot of us, I ain't messing with no broke. Y'all know that song? A lot of y'all Should've broke is a joke, trying to, trying to be married to, to somebody rich. It don't work like that. Look, if you want somebody like up here, guess what? You better be up here. So part of the problem is us taking our eyes off of wanting to be married. Lord, I want to be married. You know I do. Is there something in my life that is prohibiting marriage? Is there something in me that would bring baggage and unhealthiness to the marriage? And allow God to begin to speak to you. Allow other people to speak into your life about what you're missing. And then when you're ready, I do believe that God will fulfill that desire in you. We'll take like two more. It's 1220. Are you all okay if we do a couple more? Yeah. Who's not? Stand up. <laughs> Thank you. We got one, one brave woman. She stood up. Um. Are you a diabetic? Get her a piece of candy. Okay, well, next question, and, and we're going to wrap up. One from each side, and we're done.
1: Well, um, I just want to take a moment without a question and just say thank you, Pastor Ray, for all of the things you're doing, Thanks. being an awesome leader, being an awesome example to our church. Yes, you can stand. Thank you. And I want you to know, and everyone that agrees, that we got your back. Thank you. We got your back. You. The vision, the plan... It's not just something that I've seen from the pulpit, but it's something that I've experienced even staying with you for six months. You kind of sold yourself short on some of the boundaries that you've placed, but even for me, just being able to serve for 12 years, I've learned more of the things outside of the pulpit from you than any other pastor. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I wanna say this too, is that Um, One time I was asked the question, um, who's the best pastor in America? And basically the response says, well, I don't know. I know great preaching, but the best pastor is the Monday through Saturday. And for all of you that are here, I want you to know that you have a great, amazing pastor. You can go find better preaching, but in terms of a pastor... If you get close to him, he smells like sheep. And it's great for us to show and to continue to grow up, but one of the verses that he put up there, it was Ezekiel 4-7, and waiting for the perfect time. A part of Pastor's um, vision, desires, is being able to work strategically to be able to set up structures and foundation. And I wanna tell you, as an executive pastor that is here, And some of you are sitting on your gifts, waiting for the perfect time. And the best ability in the kingdom of God is availability. So with that, as we continue to show our support for Pastor Ray, if you're not serving, let's get busy. Amen. If you love people, there's something for you to be able to do. If you don't know, reach out to the church. If you're still trying to figure out your why, take the shape assessment. But as we cover, as he does his role to cover us, and we want to get better as a body of Christ, it's going to take you. Wow. So, with that, the action, the challenge becomes we do have a sign up sheet in the back that's called for Pulse, the volunteers. That's the heartbeat and the thread of this ministry. I'm challenging everyone here, if you're not serving anywhere, to sign up. If you don't even know yet, we will make a call, we will set up time, and you're going to find your purpose. And while it's good for you to continue to show, show up and continue to be faithful here, I'm pretty sure what will be the most faithful thing for him to focus on his first ministry is being able to see you be an extension of his heart. Amen. So with that, I'll turn it over to you to you. give the final prayer. And we'll dismiss. Thank you. Well, I'm humbled now. Um,
0: I just want to help people. I told the Lord when I was still locked up, I don't even know what it means to be in ministry. I ain't never been in the church. But I just want to help people. I've had lots of money, so I'm not not interested in the money. I just want to help people. And I'm going to be very honest with you and tell you, like four years ago, I had an opportunity to go pastor a church of about 2,000 members, and I turned that down with ease. About a month ago, my wife doesn't remember this, and no one else knows this, there was a church that was brought to my attention that had 4,000 members. I typed up a cover page, spruced up my resume, and felt convicted or leading that this is where I'm supposed to be right now, and then four weeks later, after not chasing that opportunity, my wife has the memory issues again. And sometimes you just say, why? Like, I don't get it. And it's not always for me to get. All I know is that i fail God miserably so many times. But I love Him so much. He's done so much for me. And there's no way in the world that I will ever walk away from Him. I may fall away for a moment. I may do some stupid stuff. But I'm going to keep on standing back up for the Lord. And sometimes it's hard because I'm like, Lord, so many people tell me that I'm an amazing communicator, and I'm a great speaker. I mean, I've heard prophecies for 15 years about where God was going to take me, and it wasn't like they spoke it only. I've been, I have been feeling a burden that the Lord has an international word in me that needs to get out here, because I feel like the Lord has put this Beautiful balance of grace and truth, love and holiness that our world needs. And quite frankly, sometimes it gets frustrating pastoring a church in South City where people are scared to come to South City. And it's like, Lord, will we ever grow? I mean, I've been here nine stinking years, man. I mean, can I be honest? Is that okay? And sometimes I'm like, Lord... I mean, just in my carn- carnality, I know I'm more organized than a lot. I know I can preach better than some, and I feel like we're moving slower than most. Do we move? Do I move? And, you know, I just, I just know that God is in control. And, and, you know, the enemy wants, this. going back to that question, the enemy wants us to walk away from our seeds, man. We just need to know the Lord is faithful, and I'm so thankful for what Pastor James said because he said, and I won't forget it, in 12 years of serving under pastors, and I know some of the pastors that he's served under who are great men of God who pastor big churches, I've learned more in six months from you. That's why I do what I do. Father, I thank you so much for this service here today, Lord. I thank you so much for what you're doing in my life, what you're doing in our lives, Lord. And, and I know many people are right where I'm at, where there's opportunities that sometimes present themselves. There's, there's temptation that comes our way that makes us th- think about going a different direction. But Father, I pray that you'll help my family, my brothers and sisters to not abort the baby. To not lose sight, not lose hope, not give up, but to stay the course. Father, I pray that my family can do like and say like the Apostle Paul, I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished the race. Lord, you know I did not want to come here, but I knew I had to be here. We've talked about seeds. We've talked about dreams. We've talked about babies. We've talked about marriage. We've talked about disappointment and pain. I talked about wanting to just go a different direction. There's been so many things that we've talked about here today, Lord, and, and, I, and I really feel like it was divine. It was divine. I feel like it was God-inspired. So I'm not going to do some crazy Pentecostal altar call, but I am going to do this, Lord. For those that were significantly impacted by today's topic, message, message, conversation and they're going to step up to the challenge that Pastor James made they're going to step up to the call the challenge that was made through me today if there's anybody here Lord that was greatly affected and said this is this is it there's some things that are going to be different in me Lord I was just going to say raise your hand, but Charlie's saying, man, I'm coming to this altar. <laughs> and I don't know where you fit, and I don't know what it is, but, but if, if, yeah, if, if you want to make a declaration with me, can you please just join me right here? Just join me right here, please. I, I need us to see who, how many people there are making this together. I, I need you all to see this. If you say, Pastor, I was affected by this message today. I, I was affected by it. Like, like this is something happened in me. I, I don't know what, what was going on, but things you said and spoke, and, and maybe what Pastor James said or a question, whatever. If, if this was you, I just, just come here. We're in this together. I make myself vulnerable to let you know that you're not alone, that we're in this together.
2: Thank you for joining us, and we hope this message blessed you.